0: i oh.
1: brawlers welcome back to Throne hands it's jacob per usual and alongside me is per usual daniel woods daniel how you doing
0: doing great man uh really the biggest card of the year uh,
1: we're gonna be talking about today and you gotta love that yep N- did not disappoint we didn't uh preview this fight because these are two newcomers of the ufc but kai kamaka and tony kelly put on a nice show what were your thoughts on this one
0: a really good fight it just what you want to see out of the prelims especially with newcomers two guys that they came in, made an impact, and uh, looked really good doing it. Obviously, uh, it's it's early for both of them, but when you look at the numbers, both guys landed 114 significant strikes. That's about as exciting as you're going to get for a fight that goes to decision.
1: Yeah, definitely. And uh, Kai Kamaka really just t- won it with the takedowns. I think yeah. five takedowns, five of five. Played a, played a uh, did a, had a beautiful fight. So these are two very exciting prospects that I'm sure Dana White will. Love to see in the future. All right, so to the the first fight that we previewed, T.J. Brown versus Danny Chavez. Danny Chavez really killed T.J. Brown with those leg kicks. What were your thoughts on this one?
0: Chavez looked so sharp in this fight. It was really impressive. He was quick, uh, but there were still power behind his strikes. You could tell he was stinging T.J. Brown every time he caught him flush, and that's the biggest thing that stood out to me is – you could tell Chavez came into this fight really hungry. He's 33 years old. He's been fighting for 14 years, and this is his first chance in the UFC. Uh, he certainly did not let it pass him by. He went right after TJ Brown, was aggressive with his striking, but didn't get out in front of himself, which is a lot of what we see guys who have been waiting for this opportunity do. They, they gas out early. They put themselves in a position to get put down early in the fight, and that's not what Chavez did. He, he was able to keep, Uh, TJ Brown moving back on his heels control the octagon and when he had the opportunity uh, to
1: to land big shots he did yeah you put it perfectly and I expected TJ Brown to use more of his ground game he tried but Danny Chavez really just showed a lot with his takedown defense and I mean Danny Chavez powerful kicks like you said he looked very good in this fight so I I don't know what's next for TJ Brown it's really tough for me what do you think's next
0: it is it is tough because this is a guy that came in with a lot of hype and he's lost back-to-back fights. Uh, I think he's the type of guy that still has the potential that the UFC is going to want to keep him on the roster, uh, but it's it's tough to match him up with somebody. You'd almost think you would grab somebody off the contender series to match him up against. That that would make the most sense to me, but even then that's likely going to be somebody coming off of a win. So it's I, I don't really know what's next with T.J. Brown because I like him as a fighter – and I think he, can, he has a future in the UFC, but he just has not shown the ability in the octagon that he showed before he came to the UFC. Yeah,
1: definitely. I think, I think we could see a matchup against Brock Weaver if he would want to move down another weight class. I mean, Brock Weaver coming off a loss. I think that'd be a good matchup for TJ Brown personally. And for Danny Chavez, you know, I don't know. He has a lot of potential. I don't know what's next for him. What would you, want, what would you like to see Danny Chavez do?
0: I think Chavez definitely gets a UFC contract off of this, uh, but I, I don't really know where to go from here. Cause he's 33 years old and this was his first UFC fight. I'm not sure how they want to match him up moving forward, depending on how they see him in terms of future contendership. He's a guy that, uh, as I said, has been fighting for 14 years. He's got a lot of miles on his body. I'm not sure he's the type of guy we would see as a top 15 contender in the future, but he's certainly someone that has value. Uh, I would I said you may get somebody from the contender series to go up against TJ Brown. That may be the the next step for Chavez as well. Get somebody with a little momentum behind him, coming off the contender series, coming off of a big win and see if Chavez can be the one to, to kind of, I guess you could say, test their metal in the octagon for real.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think we could see Danny Chavez be kind of like a prospect tester in this division, you know, experience. Yes. And I think, what the young fighters will learn from him is experience. Like, this guy's seen pretty much everything. So, Danny Chavez has a future in this in the UFC, I believe. All right. So, to a very surprising outcome here with uh, Jim Miller versus Vince Pichelle. Jim Miller uh, had two takedowns, but the man who dominated on the ground was Vince Pichelle, which really surprised me. A guy who's usually a stand-up fighter. What were your thoughts on this one?
0: I thought Vince Pichelle looked really good. This was, I mean, he's 37 years old, but what they were saying on the broadcast, and and I wasn't Really paying much attention to MMA at all when when Vince Pichel was on the Ultimate Fighter, uh, but I mean you had guys saying that this was the best Vince Pichel has looked since he was on the Ultimate Fighter, and he honestly looked better than when he was on the Ultimate Fighter. I'll take their, those guys' word for it, but I was really impressed with what he brought to the table. I mean, I like Jim Miller. Jim Miller, uh, as we've said, is one of the best Brazilian Jiu Jitsu fighters uh, in the UFC, in my opinion when it comes to just pure ability. And Vince Fischel was able to hang with him, able to roll with him on the ground. And when it did go to the feet, he knew he had an advantage, and he was able to handle Miller when it went there as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, when he got on the ground, he reversed Miller's position very well. He got he had a lot of top control. He had three takedowns against Jim Miller, who's a Division One wrestler, a former Division One wrestler, rather. So Vince really showed his dy- uh, his dynamic skill set, and he just really looked good i there's really not much to add there for uh, vince pichelle and jim miller so i think what's next for jim miller is he's going to stay that uh gatekeeper in this lightweight division like you and i've uh said the past few weeks do, do you have anything to add to that
0: not at all that's that's certainly the role he has he's slid into uh, to be able to kind of test guys that that struggle with uh
1: fighters that excel on the ground i would say yeah and i think for vince pichelle i it's, it's a little tough to tell for him. I mean, he hasn't really fought much, so I don't see him getting a ranked guy. If Jim Miller had won, he probably would have gotten a ranked guy, but I don't see anybody in these rankings that he should go against. I think he might get somebody uh, who came high off uh, like the contender series, like Medich. I could see him fighting somebody like Medich. What do you think?
0: It's really, really weird to think about Vince Pichelle right now because he's a guy that is 37 years old and just had the biggest win of his career. So I think he's certainly got a place in the UFC. Like you said, I'm not sure he's ready for a top 15 guy. I'm not sure that's the type of situation they want to put him in, but uh, somebody, somebody kicking around that, that division, uh, somebody kicking around uh, in lightweight, there's gotta be somebody for Vince Bichal to match up with, see if this kind of late career renaissance is for real with him.
1: Yeah, definitely. All right. So to the next to, onto the main card, John Dotson versus Mirab DeWallace Willie. John Dotson uh, escaped all but two of DeWallace Willie's takedowns, but John Dotson produced next to no offense in this fight. And he just looked off, but Mirab DeWallace Really, lots of upside in this guy. What were your thoughts on this fight?
0: Uh, this was a, a really good fight, I thought, for Mirab DeWallace Willie. Uh, John Dotson is certainly a, a big test, a former flyweight. Uh, title challenger that's up at, at Bantamweight now. But I thought uh, DiWallis really did, looked really good. Like you said, uh, Dodson was able to avoid uh, several takedown attempts, uh, but Marab was still able to land two of them, and, and he looked good on the feet. That's been the thing with DiWallis really is uh, he's never really been tested on the feet because he's been able to grind people out when it goes to the ground so much. And he wasn't super efficient with his striking. He only landed 38 of his, or 38% of his attempted significant strikes. Uh, but he still uh, outstruck John Dodson considerably filled the fight up with a lot of volume and, and he was still able to fight his kind of fight. That's what stood out to me is even when his, his takedowns weren't working, he found other ways uh, to to control the pace of the fight.
1: Yeah. He fought the way he wanted to, even, even if it was standing up, he was pressing the action up against the cage. And in the first round you saw him clinch John Dodson, and just kill him with those knees to the legs and, I mean, Duash really just fought his fight, and I think that's what was the do- downside of John Dodson. John Dodson didn't press the action like he usually does in his fights, and that was his downfall. All right. So what do you think is next for John Dodson?
0: I think, honestly, Dodson – we're going to talk about Sean O'Malley later. I, that's a matchup I would like to see if Sean O'Malley can get turned around and get healthy. Uh, Dodson's obviously a guy that's been around for a little bit. I think he would be a step down from Marlon Vera and – uh, that that's the match I would probably make because Dodson is still a, a very experienced fighter, has a level of experience that outside of Marlon Vera, Sean O'Malley hasn't faced yet. So they would, they're both guys coming off of losses and they're both guys looking to prove something.
1: Yeah. I think you put it perfectly. We could see that Sean O'Malley. And I think for dwalsh really, I, I, I think Dominic Cruz should be his next matchup personally. I think i mean, yes. Dominic Cruz is best Bantamweight to ever grace the UFC but he's old now but he he's he can still do his stuff and I think Rob's uh ground uh, ground game against Cruz's stand-up game would be a really fun interesting matchup and good for Duvalish really what do you think
0: uh, that makes a lot of sense I-, I think uh Duvalish really is definitely somebody with a lot of momentum moving forward in this division I'm not sure I, I would take that much of a step forward I think Somebody around that number ten range, uh, even even Rafaela Sunshine coming off a loss at number eight, might might be a decent uh, matchup for him. I, I've seen the name Rob Font, uh, who's number ten in that division, thrown around a little bit. I think that would be a, a solid test for Dewalish. Really, I think. Uh, well, Dominic Cruz is number eleven, so what am I talking about taking a, a huge step up in the rankings? Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think someone in that kind of that eight to eleven range is where we're going to see Dewalish. Really, somebody that. Uh, can can give him the opportunity to legitimize himself as a top ten bantamweight.
1: Yep. All right. So we we summed that fight up quite well. Now this was surprising. Danny Pineda over Herbert Herbert Burns. Danny Pineda controlling the fight on the ground. Now Danny Pineda is not a bum on the ground by any means. I believe he has uh, he's in the teens with his submissions, and he has a lot more experience than Herbert Burns has. But it was surprising because he just you just ground and pounded him out. What would you think of this fight?
0: Uh, the the story of this fight was Herbert Burns' conditioning, I thought, because he came in overweight. They were talking on commentary that nobody really knew, knew what the cause of him missing weight was, whether it was an injury in training, whether it was a conditioning issue. And it clearly was a problem for Herbert Burns in this fight because Daniel Pineda was just able to keep the pace up on him so much able to control this fight in terms of speed and and location for so much of this fight that Burns was just back on his heels the entire time and eventually he just ran out of gas and and that's when Pineda was able to get him down to the ground and and just finish this with ground and pound Uh, Herbert Burns is obviously an outstanding prospect uh, but he's he's gonna have to figure out some issues some issues with those weight cuts if he's gonna uh, make any kind of big step forward like his brother has
1: yeah that's what I was thinking I, I was thinking he should probably move up a division because he's had he's had a little bit of trouble with big work.
0: featherweight yeah he
1: is a big featherweight and I, like you said he came in four and a half pounds overweight or something like something absurd like that so I think it would be in his best interest for health wise and now that he's about th- he's 31 I believe he's not getting any younger and I think the weight cut would be a lot easier on his body if he moved up to lightweight and like you said, he looked off with his conditioning. He didn't He didn't spend enough time on the treadmill or anything. So I don't know what's next for Herbert Burns. I think it's tough. I think if he would have won this fight, he probably would have gone into the featherweight division, uh, top 15. So what do you think's next for Burns?
0: Yeah, that's, that's the thing. This was supposed to be the big step forward for Herbert Burns. This was supposed to be the fight that pushed him into the top 15, and he lost it. So... There's uh, this is a really deep featherweight division. I mean, Jose Aldo's sitting there at number fifteen, and Shane is fourteen. This this division's ridiculous, uh, but as far as the guys outside that top fifteen, there's plenty of plenty of challengers for Herbert Burns. It's just a matter of how the UFC wants to make that fight.
1: Yeah, and I think for Danny Pineda, I think. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they gave him a top 15 matchup because he has a lot of, ex, of experience since leaving the UFC. And he's won, he's won a, a fair amount in a row. I think five of his last seven, but the last two have been no contests that that have been overturned. So, what do you think's next for uh, Pineda?
0: Yeah, Pineda's definitely going to get another shot. I'm not, like you said, I'm not sure if it's a top 15 guy. It's definitely possible because surprising in, in this kind of fashion against somebody like Herbert Burns is certainly going to get him further up the radar with Dana White and the other matchmakers. So I think Pineda definitely gets a step forward in competition. I'm not sure exactly who it would be, but he's definitely a guy that has earned an opportunity against what would be considered a fighter, probably a step up in tier in the UFC featherweight division.
1: All right, so that's that's all for that matchup. Uh, on to the – Besides the main event, the fight I was excited for the most, Junior Dos Santos versus Jarzinho Rosenstrike. Dos Santos looked good in the first round, but something just fell off in the second round, and then Jarzinho hit him with that uh, straight left, I believe, that uh, took JDS uh, back to the fence and pretty much to the ground. What were your thoughts on this fight?
0: I I picked Rosenstrike in this one. I think I was he was the favorite coming in, but there was a lot of people saying with the way Junior Dos Santos had been looking in the gym, the way – he was preparing for this fight that he he had a really good chance to knock Rosenstrike off and it looked like in that first round that was going to come true but Rosenstrike just came out in that second round and he's always been a, a very technical kickboxer very efficient and he packs a packs power behind it uh, but Rosenstrike, there was something different coming out of his corner uh, in the second round it was like like it's been said he he has said he learned so much from that 20 second loss of Francis Ngannou, and I think I think that was evident with the adjustments he was able to make in that second round. He was he was efficient. He was crisp in his movements, and he was able to counter Junior Dos Santos. That that was the biggest thing for me was largely the sequence that led to him knocking Junior Dos Santos out was a counter strike. That that's what started it, uh, and he was he was just able to stay on his toes a little bit more as Dos Santos came in, he was able to stick him with that counter left and, and kind of just fill in the gaps from there uh, before, before the uh, official
1: ended the fight. Yeah. That's the thing with Rosenstreich. He's always been really good at countering. Even when he was bull rushed by Nganu in that fight, he landed three really nice shots when he was getting bull rushed, when he was getting backed up against the fence. But you know, Ngannou's just a tank and you can't really do much about it when it, when it comes to it. But Junior Dos Santos, it's, he looked he like we said he looked very good in the first round, but the the corner of Rosenstrike just really helped him out with his adjustments, and it and it showed when he knocked uh, JDS out. So, what it's it's a really interesting situation for JDS. I mean, he's old now, but he's he's still very very good at what he does, obviously, and he's probably in the best shape of his career. Uh, what do you think's next for him, man? It's
0: it's very. Interesting. I I will say that because he's, he's been around, he's fought just about everybody there is to fight and he's a former champion. He's, he's done it all. Like you said, and he's a guy that's in a position where he's probably not, especially with this loss, he's probably not going to find himself anywhere near title contention moving forward. Uh, But he's, he's the type of guy that has a lot of value to the UFC there's two two options that jump to mind for me. I think he's in a, a point in his career where they're not going to want to match him up, coming off a loss with somebody who's already uh, who's coming off a win. So there there are two two options that jump to mind for me. And the first is Alexei Olenek, one of the I believe one of the few guys in this division that he has not yet fought, uh, and that that would be a really good fight in my opinion. That would be a good mix of styles with uh, Dos Santos boxing up against uh, Olenek's ground game. Uh, The other one that came to mind is actually going to depend on a fight that's that's happening next month. Uh, I could also see him possibly getting the loser of Alistair Overeem and Augusto Sakai, especially if Overeem wins that one because you can take Augusto Sakai coming off of a loss and match him up with Junior Dos Santos. Uh, That would be uh, another really good test for Sakai as an up-and-comer. Or if, if he knocks off Alistair Overeem, you get another overeem uh, Santos fight, which I'm sure a, a lot of people would like to see.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'd like to see that too. And a lot of these guys from 8 to 11 are fighting each other. We got Sakai and Overeem, we got Volkov and Walt Harris. And Alexei Olymne really the only guy available in this division right now uh, with uh, J- Rosenstrike Presumably jumping Dos Santos one and one to five. I mean Cormier's out. So we could see Dos Santos possibly stay in that top five. So it's a really interesting situation in this heavyweight division, which we'll get to after uh we re- review the championship bout But for Rosenstrike, I think you just gotta feel it out with this. I mean, and Ganu's next. Then I think we might see a Blades Lewis matchup, possibly. It's it's just a mess in this heavyweight division. What do you think's next?
0: I think I we could see him get the winner of uh, Alexander Volkov and Walt Harris. I think that as far as just kind of range in this top 15 is the is the fight that would make the most sense. Obviously, that fight hasn't happened yet. But the winner of, of Volkov and Harris, and honestly, depending on what happens to that Overeem Sakai fight, he could get the winner of that as well. Uh, again, he, it, it, he's in a position where he can kind of sit back, uh, see who wins these next couple big heavyweight fights, and kind of pick his poison because uh, for for his sake, it's it's probably not in his best interest, but it's true that just about every spot ahead of him is spoken for, that Francis Ngannou is almost definitely going to get the next shot at Stipe Miocic, and then he's got Curtis Blades and Derek Lewis also ahead of him who are probably – I would say that we're going to see a fight between the two of them before the end of the year to determine who's next in the pecking order. So Rosenstreich's in a position where he's probably going to have to take a fight against somebody ranked lower than him just to stay in shape and prove that he can compete in the top of this division.
1: Yeah, you summed it up perfectly there. All right, to the co-main event, eating O'Malley versus uh, Cheeto Vera. I mean, yes, did you see the video that I sent you?
0: I've not had the opportunity to watch it, but obviously,
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'll explain what happened. So there's this nerve that runs through the back of your leg. O'Malley's leg fell asleep because there's this point in the fight where Cheeto Vera, like uh, his foot landed behind his knee and it probably pinched the nerve. So his whole leg fell asleep. And that's why you saw his foot just roll on the ground a lot. So Sean O'Malley probably isn't too hurt. I saw a tweet earlier that uh, his x-rays came back negative, but they still have to wait for an MRI. So he's probably okay. But, I mean, Cheeto Vera really looked pretty good in this fight. And O'Malley did, too. So what were your thoughts on this one?
0: Yeah, I, I think th- this was a really good fight. It, I think it ended up being, uh, until O'Malley got hurt, still a lot more even. I think Cheeto Vera got a lot more in in this fight than people were expecting, even before O'Malley had those issues with his leg. Uh, I still think a at 100%, Sean O'Malley would have won this fight. But Marlon Vera is no slouch. And he was able to take advantage of the situation. A lot of times you see guys get injured and their opponents don't really know what to do. They don't really know what to do when they smell blood in the water. And that was not the case for Marlon Vera. He attacked and he attacked aggressively. He was able to get uh, Sean O'Malley down to the ground and that, that finishing elbow was absolutely brutal. I mean, he, he put Sean O'Malley out in a bad way. And I think it was a really good decision by Herb Dean to step in there with O'Malley already being hurt and, and Vera in a very dominant position on the ground. I think that was a great stoppage as early as it came.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if that elbow knocked Sean O'Malley out for a yeah. quarter second whoever however long it was because that was a brutal elbow. And great great stoppage by Herb Dean per usual. All right, so we already talked for a second.
0: Before we move us- on real quick yeah i want to bring this question to the table and it's a little bit off topic yeah definitely do you do you think that sean o'malley has the best walkout music in the ufc because i do what did he play again there's a goat talk by
1: uh jerry
0: rob the chief Oh uh,
1: yeah it was it is good walkout out music
0: for my money it's the best walkout music in in the ufc
1: yeah i mean i mean nothing beats a conor mcgregor walkout in my opinion but oh yeah
0: it, that's 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 on another level <laughs>
1: Yeah, but hey, Sean O'Malley is just uh, trying to uh, what's I can't think of the word not in, imitate, but like get the same vibe as Conor McGregor. He's he even said yeah. that like he's going to be the next thing. So yeah. I we, we already talked what's next for O'Malley, John Dotson. Do you think what's what's next for Bear? It's really interesting. I what think do you this think?
0: Probably could move him into the top fifteen uh, at at White. I think that's a definite possibility. Um, as far as who his next opponent would be. That's that's a tough question to answer. Maybe it's it's weird because uh, Vera, a guy I would like to see him matched up with, would be Song Yadong, and he just fought him. It was a controversial decision. I don't think they want to go back to that matchup this soon. I would like to see those guys fight again because I think Marlon Vera would come out on top in a rematch. But it's it's a weird place to be right now because uh, the back end of that top fifteen is pretty heavy right now with guys with potential. I mean. 13, 14, and 15 are Song Yadong, Sean O'Malley, and, and Murab Dwalishvili. So I think really probably is in a position where his next fight is going to be at a level above what Marlon Vera brings, and I don't know that Vera's ready for a top 10 guy. So he probably ends up, I would say, he could even replace Sean O'Malley in the top 15. That may even be likely, but I don't think his, fight, his next fight is going to be against a top 15 contender.
1: I think you put it perfectly, so I'm not even going to add anything to that. All right, so to the main event of the evening, this was this was a really great fight. I think Stefy Miocic fought the exact fight that he needed to fight. He couldn't have fought it any more perfectly. I mean, DC didn't use too much of wrestling. Yes, he got poked in the eye. That was disgusting. I wouldn't suggest looking at a picture, guys. But what what were your thoughts on this one?
0: One of the things that I said uh, when we were previewing this fight last week was if this fight can almost turn into just a traditional boxing match, then Stipe Miocic would walk away still the UFC heavyweight champion. I thought that was the best path for him to win this fight was to make it almost entirely a traditional boxing match. Again, no matter what happens against Daniel Cormier, he's going to dirty it up. He's going to get the fight up against the fence. He's going to go for takedowns. But if Stipe Miocic could just turn this almost entirely into a boxing match in the center of the octagon, that would be the best way for him to get the win. And for the most part, he did. There was a lot of clinch work up against the fence, but even then, Stipe was in control a lot of the time. I gave Daniel Cormier two rounds. I gave him one and four. I know you only gave him one, but I thought Stipe just, the he fought his fight. He kept it from going to the ground. He didn't let Daniel Cormier get up underneath him up against the fence. So the longer this fight just stayed vertical, the more of a chance Stipe Miocic had to win. And and I think he fought the perfect fight, like you said.
1: Yeah. And when Stipe got him up against the fence, he just sat in those underhooks immediately and just started getting to work with the knees and therefore DC couldn't really take him down. And it's, it was just a great, it was a technical chess match for the, in this one, it wasn't just a dirty fight like, uh, the 249 with Joanna uh, and uh, Zhang Weili. But it was just uh, – Stipe fought the perfect fight. I can't say anything else. And I, I hope Daniel Cormier's eye just gets better. It, that was a that was a nasty eye poke. And he, he was blind in it after. So, I mean, people say karma is a you-know-what, but no one deserves that. It was it was no. bad. So I think DC's probably going to stay retired. I hope he does. I don't want his eye to get any worse. Right. But for Stipe, it's, it's got to be in Ghana. What do you think?
0: I, I would say so. I think we're we're going to see that match made pretty soon, honestly. I think we see it before the end of 2020, even. I think if Stipe's up for fighting again this year, we probably see that fight somewhere around December, even. And if not then, January or February of 2021. I think this fight, honestly, solves a lot of the, the issues we've seen at the top of the heavyweight division. Stipe looks as healthy as ever. He looks as dominant as ever, even though he's turning 38 this week. Uh, and and with DC out, that kind of, kind of takes away that – even if DC doesn't retire completely, completing this trilogy kind of takes away the tie that those two guys had so closely to each other, and it opens up a lot of other contenders to challenge Stipe Miocic.
1: Yeah, definitely. And what surprised me about Stipe Miocic coming into this fight – I think he looked, the, like you said, he was in his best shape, I think. He this looked, was as light as I've seen him look. Yeah, he was 233, I think, coming into this fight, if I'm not mistaken. And he just, he looked incredible. He was, he was ripped, but he didn't look too ripped. He had enough uh, body fat on him to keep him going. And he just, he, he was definitely in his best shape. And I can't, I can't blame him for that. All right, so to news, what do you got? Do you have anything? Uh, there's not
0: a ton going on. Uh they announced during the during the card at two fifty-two the main event of a card coming up.
1: Oh, Aldana versus Home.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah. Arena Aldana versus Holly Holm. That fight has been rescheduled for October third. Uh, but there's another one. There's a light heavyweight main event and it's slipping oh, my mind. Yeah, it, right here. It's... UFC Vegas eight. Uh it's gonna be a three round main event. Anthony Smith against Alexander rockich
1: All right, I like that. Uh Dominic Reyes I I texted you this signed a fight yes. contract and I'm curious with whom it's yes,
0: that'll be very interesting
1: I I think it is John Jones I I I personally Probably. hope it is I hope it is and I know Dana White was talking to John Jones earlier and they're just waiting for his response so something must be signed between the two uh that, I can't
0: think, Do you think if that's the case and John Jones wins that after uh stipe and Ganu too that he's the next heavyweight challenger
1: there's no question i mean if you if you follow him on instagram he's been just lifting consistently he's just trying to get bigger and it's i john jones at heavyweight is a scary prospect for me because think about it no weight cut his energy doesn't drain and i mean he's john jones he's john jones there's no there's no there's nothing that he cannot do
0: I think John Jones at heavyweight is terrifying, just because of the way he's carried his weight at light heavyweight. Uh, his his ability to carry muscle uh, and lean muscle at that in that division has been really impressive, and, and he doesn't lose a step when he bulks up a little bit for fights, which which is really impressive to me. I think he's a terrifying heavyweight competitor, person personally, because uh, he's he's a guy that in terms of length uh, can still match up and honestly probably outdo a lot of heavyweights, and that if Stipe Miocic were to knock off Francis Ngannou again it would cause a lot of problems for him because as was discussed uh, throughout the card and in the lead up to it on, on Saturday, uh, if, if I'm remembering correctly, they said Sean O'Malley and Marlon Vera, both have longer leg reaches than Stipe Miocic. Yeah. And they're both weights. So somebody with as much length as John Jones, obviously John Jones, one of the greatest pound for pound fighters of all time. But somebody with as much length as him could spell a lot of problems for Stipe.
1: Yeah, that that, that is a scary prospect. And I think he'd spell a lot of problems for Nganu. I mean, Stepe yeah. wrestled Nganu to the ground. I mean, Nganu's a completely different fighter now, and I believe he's a lot better. But a wrestler the caliber of John Jones against Nganu would just be a problem. DC's an DC's a, a, a Olympic wrestler, and he's done folk style, freestyle, and greco. I think just a Greco-Roman wrestler of the caliber of John Jones would just grant huge problems in the heavyweight division. So it's a scary prospect, I think. And yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens with that. All right, you got anything else? Uh,
0: most or a good chunk of the UFC 253 cards out. Uh, obviously main evented by Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa, which is one of my most anticipated fights of the year, that middleweight title fight, because I love both of those guys. Uh, but then I'll, I'll just run down uh, the rest of the fights that have been announced. Uh, Kai Kara <laughs> France versus Brandon Royval, uh, Claudia Gedalia versus uh, Jan Chanon, uh, Hakim Dewodu versus Zubair Tuganov, uh, Donald Stroni versus Nico Price, which I think will be a really interesting fight, uh, Mirsad Bektich versus uh, Eduardo Garagori. Jessica Rose Clark versus Sarah Alpar, uh, Ketlin Vieira versus Marion Renault, Johnny Walker versus Ryan Spann. Uh, Jordan Espinoza versus David Dvorak, Casey Kenny versus Haile Alatang, and a fight that I think is really interesting and a fight that is going to be – it's the last one that's been announced, a fight that is going to be a huge test for a guy that I see as one of the biggest up-and-coming heavyweights. And, uh, it's going to be Shamil Abdurakhimov matched up against Cyril Gaïn, and, and I love Cyril Gaïn. He's a former training partner of Francis Ngannou. Uh, he brings a ton to the table as a wrestler and a striker. He's currently undefeated as a pro and he's number 15 in the, in the heavyweight division and fighting such an outstanding wrestler, obviously a guy with a Dagestani background in Abderrakamov, who at 38 years old has been been around for a really long time has 25 professional fights. I'm really excited for that one. That looks like it's going to be on a prelim.
1: Yeah. I think, I think this might be the best all around card. Like the, the, the prelims in this one are really strong. So I'm excited for that card. All right. Anything else?
0: that's it man uh, i'm right. excited for i'm excited really excited for uh for
1: 253 yes i am i'm excited for everything, everything leading up to it all right man thanks for coming back on per usual Yes, sir. all right, all right guys we'll see you for uh, a re- preview of fight night munoz versus edgar